Life in the Leadership Lane. I'm your host, Bruce Waller, where I get to talk to leaders that are making a difference in our community. What did they do to get started and what do they do to continue to accelerate in the workplace? And today I'm getting to talk to a very special guest and her name is Suzanne Myers. Suzanne is the Vice President of Human Resources at Arcosa in Dallas, Texas. And I am absolutely honored to have you on the show today. Good to see you, Suzanne. Thanks, Bruce. Good to see you. Haven't so, seen you in a while. <laughs> I know, right? It seems like forever since, you know, of course, we get to follow each other on social media, but to actually see you, this is absolutely great. Hey, I was actually reflecting on the first time that we met. So we, we've known each other for many years. And I don't know if you remember this, but you had an employee and her name was Shelly Patman that was working for you at RealPage. Yep. And she was up for a volunteer, I think it was volunteer leader of the year. And I, it was my job to make sure she was going to be at the luncheon to get the award. So I talked to her that week and said, hey, are you gonna be there? And she's like, no, I think I gotta work. I'm, I'm, uh, I don't think I'm gonna be able to be there. And I thought, I've got to find her boss. And so I called you and told you about that. Do you remember that? I remember that. That was the very first time uh, we talked. And of course, I've, I've gotten to know you ever since. And so I uh, really admired your leadership and so glad to have you on the show today. One of the things I uh, like to do to kind of start off is I like for um, our guest to just kind of share a highlight of, of their organization. And I would love for you to share a little bit about uh, Arcosa and, and how do you serve your customers? Yeah, well... Um, Arcosa is actually a new company. We just celebrated our two-year anniversary or two-year birthday. Um, Arcosa is a spinoff of Trinity Industries, which um, pe many people may already know of Trinity. They have the big building on I-35, and uh, people drive past it all the time. And uh, so Arcosa is a spinoff of that organization. And we are a manufacturer of infrastructure products in the energy, construction, and transportation segments. And so what that means is uh, we build things that support the infrastructure of, um, of the country. So some of our products um, you might find in the wind farms. We manufacture those huge towers uh, that you see on the wind farms, uh, steel utility poles. Uh, we, we develop and uh, manufacture concrete. Uh, we do crushed aggregate, highway structures, um, barges. Nobody ever stops to think about how a barge is made, um, but we actually build barges. So um, we have about 100 plant locations across uh, North America. Well, that's fantastic. I actually have uh, got to tour your, your facility in, in Dallas. It's a wonderful, wonderful facility. You know, I was thinking about when you said wind farms, you know, my family lives in the Oklahoma City, Oklahoma area. And when we drive up 35 North, it just seems like it's growing and growing and growing uh, with, the, with the wind farms. So that, that's, uh, that's crazy. You know, you are the uh, Vice President of Human Resources, but I know you have a tremendous background also uh, in talent acquisition and recruiting. And one of the things I enjoy about interviewing guests is I get to do a little research. And one of the things I did not realize is that you were actually in 2014, a Glassdoor talent warrior. And I was reading about that 
And it said that it basically it's uh, for cutting edge talent acquisition professionals, but there were 10 winners and 500 nominations. And so we're going to talk probably a little bit about uh, recruiting. We're going to talk about uh, leadership. Uh, but one of the things I would love to start off with, and that is I would love for you to share the Suzanne Myers story. Like, where did you grow up and how in the world did you get into talent acquisition and now leading a, an HR team? Yeah, well, I mean, like many people, you don't go to college and, and walk away from college saying, I want to be a recruiter, right? You didn't really, you know, we just, that really wasn't a career that people talked about. Um, I grew up in the St. Louis area um, and relocated to Dallas after I graduated from college. I went to Missouri State in Springfield, Missouri. Um, with, and graduated with a degree in communications. Um, Missouri's the show me state, but it wasn't showing me a job. So I packed up everything I own and moved to Dallas. Um, I didn't know a soul here. In fact, I had not ever even seen my apartment before I moved into it. I, I literally loaded a U-Haul and moved everything I own on November 1st um, of 97 and, and moved into my apartment sight unseen. In fact, I didn't even have a job when I moved here. Um, it was very exciting and very adventurous for me at that time, and I wasn't really concerned about not having a job. Um, I just had faith that I would find my way, and I, and I did. Um, my first job was in sales, so um, I started in sales for a radio network, and that led to another sales role, which eventually led me to Aerotech. Um, I had gone in to um, meet with a recruiter at Aerotech about a sales job at one of their clients, and lo and behold, they ended up recruiting me to be a recruiter for them. Mm -hmm. And so that is, that's where it all started. Um, and to this day, I'm grateful for Aerotech and all they taught me. It was, I call it my boot camp. Um, it was the first stepping stone for my long-term career in HR. And so um, why Dallas? The job market was really good at that time, um, especially, you know, for, um, you know, recent grads. So um, I just took the leap of faith and I wanted to move south anyway. I hated the cold Midwestern winters. And um, I just thought, why not? If, if it doesn't work, I can always move back. But um, I thought I can always wait tables or I'll find something to pay my bills. Um, I literally put everything into that move and uh, knew that I either had to find my way or go home. And I just going home wasn't really an option for me. I absolutely love that, man, because that takes a lot of courage, you know, because I remember I moved to Dallas when I was, after I graduated from college, but I was in my late 20s. I had three children at the time, and I remember I was scared to death, and I had a job, um, but yeah, I mean, relocation, you know, I'm in relocation. We, of course, uh, get to work together, and, and you know, uh, it's stressful, and to be, you know, to just pack up and move um, and have that faith that, and yep. then now look at you, it all worked out well. Yep. Absolutely. So, you know, you, okay. So you, you came to Dallas and, and then you, you know, you were in sales and then you were hired by a recruiter to be a recruiter. And now of course you're, um, you know, leading a, leading an HR team. When did you, like, was there a time where you said, okay, now, now that I've been doing this a while, I know that I want to keep doing this, or I really love doing this. Was there like a moment um, when you found your lane or your purpose or your calling? For me, 
it was just part of working hard. Um, I, I just really believe that when you work hard and you deliver, um, things start happening for you. Um, and so for me, it's always been about delivery and it's always been about, you know, taking action. And that has always been very fruitful for me um, over the course of, of my years. I, I eventually left Aerotech. I was there for almost four years. And uh, that's when I actually went to RealPage. Mm. At the time, RealPage was very small, only about 400 employees. It was not publicly traded. It was a very young startup. Um, and they were about to go into hyper growth mode. And they hired me as a corporate recruiter to eliminate agency spend, which I thought was interesting because I had basically, you know, spent the last four years in agency. So I kind of knew how that side of the desk worked. Um, and so I just hustled and filled as many positions in my first year. Um, and by the second year, we didn't have, we didn't spend a single penny with agencies. And so the managers were thrilled with what we'd accomplished together. Um, and so that was really my first dose of building those partnerships. And so over the years, I just grew to love the partnerships with my colleagues and the trust that we created during that fun time at RealPage. I, you know, I call it the hyper growth period. Um, I loved helping the leaders find great talent for their teams. Um, and in the end, it helped us all achieve our goals. Um, eventually that talent, acquisi talent acquisition team grew to be a global um, organization um, as we had acquired companies. And so I was able to take on more and more responsibility in the broader HR scope. And really, I would say that was when I you know, really discovered that I really loved being involved in all aspects of HR. And in particular, seeing how it all weaves together and how, you know, HR weaves into the thread of the business. Um, and so that, you know, to me, it was just always about helping the business achieve their goals and supporting them and helping them drive forward. Um, and I just, I think for me, that's when I discovered that what I, you know, what I contribute as an HR person, you know, really, really matters. And so I think for me, that was, you know, when I really found, I guess, found my lane, to use your words. I, uh, I remember I got to see some of the uh, results of, of the work you put in at the DFW SMA. I believe your team was up for like a recruiter, recruiting team of the year awards. Yep. I, I remember seeing I you and your team. That there. Was, but yeah, I remember that. Rising star, because it was, a, we were a new team. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, but I remember what I remember about that though, is I remember uh, seeing the energy, like there was a lot of energy with that team. Um, and you could see everybody really enjoyed like each other. That is one of the power teams. And we all talk about how that particular period of time was just so amazing. We just had such a great collaborative team that just was able to accomplish so much. And, you know, you always talk about how, there's periods in you know your career that'll always be memorable for for you, and for me that was that team. It was just it was just such a team. I'll never forget working with that team. Um, you know, it's all good things come to an end, right? Eventually, people you know aspire to do more and to move on, and so we knew it wouldn't last forever. But I will always forever remember um, just that's such a great teamwork that we had then. Yeah, I think that's one of the things we all enjoy about leadership is it's, it's a hard work. There's a lot of work that's involved, but whenever you um, can enjoy that success together, there's just nothing like that. I, I was, I, I'm always curious about leaders that are really, 
that have had success, uh, it seems like they have a common thread, and that is they have uh, they have people in their life that have kind of helped them along the way. Sometimes it's family. Uh, for me, my older brother has been a great mentor for me. But I was wondering if you could share uh, maybe maybe some of the mentors that have helped you along the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say throughout many seasons of my career, I've had what I call our leadership developers, right? Um, leaders who've taken a chance on me, helped me tackle projects that allowed me to gain new skills and experiences. Um, you know, when I first, you know, started in recruiting and then, you know, HR, I didn't have a lot of experience, but I had leaders who explained to me the why behind the decisions, which was super valuable to me because I'm such a why person. So it helped me understand. And then therefore it helped me think differently, you know, as I worked on those projects. Um, always for me, it's about putting, putting my lens on, it says, why would the business care about this? What is the so what, right? So I've had leaders that, you know, kind of developed me to think like that. Um, you know, and there's been several that have, I would say, contributed. I don't know that there's one singular leader that um, helped, you know, shape some of that. Um, I've also learned what I don't want to do from leaders, uh, which has crafted my leadership approach. And I'm sure that we all have, have those leaders, you know, that we remember saying, I'm never going to do that to my team, or I'm never going to treat somebody like that, because we just know it just didn't feel right. One leader in particular greatly believed in me, and that's what I needed to continue pushing myself out of my comfort zone. Um, this particular leader had a wow factor. Um, and still to this day, I strive to be more and more like them, um, empowering, very high standards, um, productive, there's always purpose behind what we do. And I say, I really, I still think about, you know, that leadership style. And that's what pushes me, I believe, um, to continue down my leadership path. I want my folks to feel empowered. I, I have high standards. I have high standards for myself. And, um, but, you know, really being purposeful is also a key part for me. Whatever we're doing, we need to have that purpose. Uh, Suzanne, I love how you talked about, um, you look at it as leadership developers. I, I, hadn't, I hadn't actually heard, thought about that term when I talk about mentors and, and that's so true. And then uh, how you talk about the why, but, but you know, I, I'm with you on that. It, it just feels good if you, we, we get so much confidence and we, we feel so good when we're around leaders that have this purpose about them, right? They, they, you, you, they, they, you know, you can see why, why you're doing things. And it just seems like, um, you know, college football coaches to me uh, are a lot like that. You know, you, you, you'll run through a brick wall for them because they have done such a great job at sharing, you know, the why and, and that purpose behind not just being like a good, you know, football player or athlete, but a good person. And uh, I think that when we talk about mentors, like what you're talking about, that for me, that's what it's all about. It's like, how can I like be a better person? So I love how you shared that behind that. Mm -hmm. um, let me ask you this. I want to talk about leadership. I mean, you, you are, you're a top level leader. And, you know, one of the things that I do whenever I think about when I'm leading, 
um, and I start looking at my plans uh, for, for the year or for a new year, I'm always looking back. Um, and I was, you know, I mean, we are in 2021, season two here. And I was wondering if you could share, like, has your leadership, I mean, 2020, what a rough year. Has your leadership, did it, number one, did you, did you find yourself shifting uh, in your leadership? And, and number two, were there, were there any silver linings uh, from that for you? Yeah, so this is pretty much what we did with 2020 goals is we had to take them and just kind of toss them. <laughs> because, um, you know, we had a lot of aspirations of um, doing some frontline leadership development, you know, at our different uh, locations. And when we no longer could deliver um, classroom style training, which for us had been the most effective way, you know, we had to put some things on the back burner that we, you know, were really sad about. Um, you know, but we run a pretty lean uh, functional team um, across the enterprise. And so all of our HR resources really had to move from proactive to reactive with COVID. And, and we were deemed an essential business. And so, you know, how do, you know, how do we um, help our plant leaders and how do we help our, our other, you know, business leaders navigate all of the CDC guidance and so forth. So we really had to put almost everything on the back burner um, and focus on that, providing them guidance on what to do, what to say, et cetera, keep them, so they could stay focused on operations and, and we were helping them navigate you know, the, the people side. So um, 2020 for us was um, really more reactive than I think we've ever had to be. Um, and so, you know, that, you know, was just, we're going to pick up and move forward in 2021. Um, you know, we had not really been a work from home company. So, you know, we talk about silver linings. I think that the silver lining is that we advanced very progressively in our minds about the mindset of working from home, you know, really uh, shifted very quickly. I mean, we almost overnight went, went to work from home for anybody that could. And we did that pretty flawlessly. And I think we were surprised by that. Um, you know, the silver lining is that uh, I think we all, you know, now have great beautiful office setups at home. Uh, we have flex hours. We can get be here when our kids, you know, leave for school and come home. I think that was the silver lining for many employees is just having some of that, um, you know, no commutes and you have more time into your day. Uh, for some of our leaders, you know, that wouldn't be the case, right? Um, for them, they are still reporting into the manufacturing facility every day and, um, you know, doing everything, you know, that they can to make sure that the employees stay safe, which has remained our number one focus. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but I think for us, you know, we had to just accept that we can't change, that we didn't accomplish what we had aspired to accomplish in 2020. Um, you know, but I think we all have an understanding and an acceptance that all we can do is look forward. And I have a phrase, you know, I always say onward, right? It was onward. We can't, we can't just sit and talk about what we didn't do. We know why we didn't do it. Um, and so now we're going to stay focused on what we can do going forward. Onward. I onward. love that. That's fantastic. 
You know, um, I was thinking about, yeah, so I bought, like I now I have this light in my office. I have this home office set up. You know, I, um, our company, you know, is, relocates talent, you know, across the U.S., of course. And uh, so, you know, we have operations that are essential. And I love how you talk about reactive, right? Because we really have been focused on how can we make sure that the people that are on the boots on the ground, how, how can they navigate through this, right? Um, and, but I will tell you, for me, I, I've, I've worked from home as well as in the office, but it's, the challenge for me was more around, um, yes, I can walk from my bedroom to the office, but I found myself working much, even like longer hours. And uh, I had to really start adjusting on like blocking time uh, because I would look at my calendar and someone would say, hey, can I take a call? Sure, let me put you down. And next thing you know, my day is like back to back to back to back to back and there's no um, transition time. And so it's been a lot different, but I'm with you. I think, there, I think there's been some silver lining around that remote work uh, because that was actually one of the hottest, I would say that's been one of the hottest topics over the last several years uh, in, in Dallas HRs how can we get, you know, this remote work going? It's amazing to see how just overnight we're able to do that. Yep. So are you still, your team right now, do you have a lot of your team members still remote? Uh, Yes. So we do have a few people that, you know, report into the office, um, not at the same time, but we do rotations um, just to check mail and, you know, keep the cobwebs off. Yeah. Um, and so, but that's just usually the same, you know, eight to 10 people that are heading into the office to perform those check-ins. Um, but there's a large majority of our employees who left the office in mid-March um, and, and have not returned. You walk around the office and you still see their, you know, cardigan on the back of their, you know, um, chair. You see their pen exactly the way they left it when they left that day. Um, so it's, it's just, it's sad, um, but it is what we've been dealt. And so we just, you know, I think, you know, we'll uh, hopefully we'll, uh, you know, not have to do this too long in 21, but I, I do believe that we probably will not return to five days a week, even when we do. Um, I think it'll be a slow, I call it beach entry, you know, like, you know, small groups coming back at a time and alternating days, much like many people might have already started doing this year. Um, so I think many people miss the camaraderie of working with their teams. And so I think we'll start to see some of that happening in 2021. Um, but we also need to be fully prepared that we might, you know, we might be doing virtual meetings all through the year next year, right? So we don't have any predetermined expectations of what to expect when it comes to remote work. Yeah, I would think that as a leader, though, it would also be a, a challenge. You know, it, you know, when you're in the office, you have your whole team there, right? And you're like, okay. So as we, as we're, you know, as we're, um, as a, uh, taping this, uh, let's talk about how do we, how do we get momentum? I always like the term um, in the John Maxwell book, the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. He talks about the big mo. And so I always talk about momentum and, you know, cause when we have it, we really feel confident. We feel better than sometimes what we are. And when we don't have it, we sometimes feel worse than what we are. And so, you know, how challenging it, 
is it for you to uh, move forward, I guess, if you will, um, onward uh, with like, you know, goal setting, all of that. Have you been able to, to, to do that with your team? Yeah, we have. So I usually first reflect on what the team has accomplished during the year so that we can take a pause and really um, pat ourselves on the back for the work we've done, right? Mm -hmm. I think that was even more important this year because for us, right, many of us, we don't like working in the reactive space, but, you know, what we've done this year is a lot of hard work. It's navigating the unknown. And so I always take time to think through and, and make sure that the team appreciates everything that was accomplished during the current year because um, it's just too easy to keep looking forward as a leader because we're all about that next thing. Um, but I think it's really important for the team to know how much it is valued and appreciated the work that we've done. And so we always start there when we have, um, you know, our, um, you know, our kickoff or planning meetings, right? Um, I appreciate too having a documented history of our accomplishments and success stories. Um, and try really hard to um, promote those to the senior leadership team. Um, in human resources, at least my experience has been, we do a lot of work that never really gets bubbled up because mm -hmm. it's just a lot of employee relations and day-to-day -day operational things. But when you catalog and organize all of that in a way that's meaningful, the senior leadership team really does they really do like to see those results. And so I always try to find a way to package up those results in a meaningful way and, and share those. Um, I think, uh, you know, I think for us, we make a concerted effort uh, to outline our goals and to organize them uh, prior to the new year. So for example, we've completed our goal setting for 2021 and we have eight categories. Um, we might refine it in January as things get moving, but we at least have a very good uh, strong skeleton of what we want to accomplish um, in 2021. And then we'll focus on what I call, um, what are the actions that feed those goals? Mm -hmm. So for us, part of that organization is not just putting a big goal out there. It's, all right, what are the actions that we're going to do that's going to help us achieve that goal? And so breaking it down into tasks or smaller projects that people can absorb and take action on. I know for me, it's very frustrating when I get this big, huge goal that is put out there, but I really don't understand, okay, how am I gonna get there? It's not quite clear to me. And many of our HR uh, team members are either early to mid career, um, you know, or they've just not had a lot of experience working on strategic goals before. And so, I just like to put myself in their shoes and break it down into these are these five, you know, key performance actions that, you know, if you complete these five things, then I believe we'll have successfully completed that goal. And so we'll refine those, um, those actions and get those communicated so that everyone has a lot of clarity on exactly what do we need to do to meet those goals. And then I do one other thing, Bruce, because sometimes I think we get kind of stuck in our silos, at least in our company, is I like to pull for certain projects, people from the different business units and create a project team. Mm -hmm. And then that project team tackles one of, one of the goals that we need uh, to, to accomplish. So an example of that is this year, you know, we were really working on increasing our candidate pool 
um, for some of our um, uh, what I'll call professional or exempt level positions. Because um, the manufacturing space, you know, it's tough, right, to recruit and find seasoned leaders um, that fit our culture and our industry specifically. So working with the recruiters to come up with a way that we can increase that candidate pool um, and then how, how do we, you know, successfully get that broken out all across the organization. And so I put together a small project team that actually worked together for the past 10 weeks to try to solution that for us. And that included, they ended up, I mean, they got, they did get some instructions, but you know, you, we just let them go and um, they've come up with an exceeded expectations on what we were really trying to accomplish because it just kept unfolding new areas of things that they thought would help, like an updated intake form, an updated um, phone screen form. And so these are early to mid level team members who all worked together, presented to the leadership team every other week. And so anyway, that's how we accomplished this goal. It wasn't that we had a senior level director tackling that goal. We actually put into the hands of about eight um, individual contributors who worked together across the organization. And as a result, they all had um, enrichment uh, and development through that experience as well. And so they've all provided feedback that it was a really cool experience. Um, I did similar uh, things like that at RealPage where we would put together priority teams or uh, strategy teams to accomplish some of our goals. Um, and we'll plan to do that in 2021 as well. It kind of breaks up their day, right? Um, gives them something new and fresh to think about that's you know more long-term thinking. And, um, and plus too, then they have um, another person in the company that they can call on when they have a need. Oh man, there is so much there. I will tell you, <clears throat> pulling people in, I, I was actually thinking about a quote I heard and they said, if you want engagement, you have to be engaged. And so that you just bringing the, the team together allows them to like build these relationships and all of a sudden it's going to create, I mean, it's more than just, hey, let's try to accomplish this goal or project. It's so much bigger than that. And so I love how you talk about that. So this, this goal setting, and, and I love how you talk about not just goal setting and these categories, but also the actions that go along with that. I think that's one of the parts that we, we spend a lot of time on what our goals are going to be, but now what are those actions? I'm, I'm curious, how, do, um, how does the team typically know that they're staying on track? Do you have this like posted? Uh, is there something that goes out? Do you have staff meetings? How, how, do, how do they know they're on track? Yeah, that's a really good question. So uh, we do document. Um, so every goal, right, typically has an owner, right? I, I believe that there has to be a single, a, a single person that owns the delivery of that goal. And then they work across you know, different, you know, teams potentially, you know, complete that goal. But that is um, really a documented goal that we might, you know, get a formal update on two or three times a year. Usually, though, as decisions are being made, or as things are happening, they'll bring that stuff up in a one on one, and we can talk about it. Um, I never, I never want anyone to be sitting on a project because they need help making a decision or they want input on what we should do because something unexpected came up. And so we usually talk about 
progress on these goals throughout the year. Um, but we actually go and formally document where we stand at least twice a year. Yeah, that's fantastic. I love that. I love the, um, I also love the part about like the development. I mean, if they're like presenting to leadership, it's going to help them in their development. One of the things I was uh, looking at the Arcosa website and I know, you know, I was looking at different benefits and I noticed uh, there was a leadership development program. So do you have a formal program in the organization? Can you talk about that? Um, we don't have a, um, like a formal large scale leadership program because we really, our talent development leader is a team of one. But what we do have is a very focused effort for key, you know, high performing individuals. Um, and we make sure that they have uh, whatever their particular development needs are, we make sure that every year we have a focal area for them. So um, we do have uh, some leaders um, who have taken the Harvard um, online finance course. That has been a, a one that we have um, really, you know, I would say embraced and have gotten really great feedback on. And so for any of our leaders who are, you know, in the pipeline for a senior level operators role, uh, they will take that Harvard online class. Um, and then we have other, you know, other, you know, leadership development that might be uh, specific to a certain level. So we have leadership development for our frontline supervisors who are maybe, you know, early to that role, or maybe they're preparing to take on that supervisor level role in the plant. And so we'll have specific and separate development um, programs that we might have them, um, you know, be a participant in. So it will just really vary, um, you know, but there is leadership development very much, I would say, um, by individual and what their needs are. Yeah, that's fantastic. Because I, I think that, you know, we're talking about getting momentum into the new year. How do we get off to a good start? And I think one of the things we talked about today, we've talked about goal setting and, and setting action plans and trying to develop. You know, I noticed that even, you know, even for you, um, you have a couple of certificates uh, that I noticed on your LinkedIn profile. I mean, so even top level leaders need to continue to skill up. One of those I noticed was a uh, diversity, uh, inclusion, and belonging on LinkedIn uh, course that it looks like you went through. Was that right? Yeah. So I just took that course. Um, I'm a big fan of Pat Waters. Um, you know, she was previously with LinkedIn and, you know, was, um, you know, very visible to some of us who had previously attended uh, LinkedIn events. And so um, I, that popped up on my LinkedIn uh, newsfeed one day and it was free at the time. I, so I don't know if it's still free, it might be, but um, it's a really great introduction to, um, you know, diversity, inclusion and belonging. And I, I still think that Pat, um, I think she's the one that really made the word belonging Mm -hmm. very noticeable because the first time I ever heard somebody using the word belonging was uh, Pat Waters uh, presentation at um, a closing ceremony at the LinkedIn conference. I had Halima McWilliams on the on the show a few weeks ago and she talked about they started a group and their, their group is called Belong. Um, and so I'm, I hear that and then of course Michelle Obama just came out with her book yeah. Um, and so, no, that's, but, uh, but I noticed that, so you basically took the initiative though, you, it popped up and you said, you know what, I'm going to take that, I'm going to take that course. 
I, I would just, I would love for you I to. I sent it on to our leaders to watch too. Right. So I just fired that link off and, um, you know, said it's really important that you watch this. It's 45 minutes. And um, we've had several people at Arcosa complete that course now. Oh, wow. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, so hopefully it's still free out there and, and people can still find it. I will see if I can find the link and I'll put it in the show notes if somebody wants to check that out. Um, I think that would be definitely something to check out. You know, um, some of the <clears throat> things I hear uh, over the years, uh, I've heard people talk about how, you know, hey, we don't really have anybody that's training me or we're not being developed. But I always talk about, hey, you know what, if, if, if someone doesn't have a program in place, there's still ways that you can go out there and skill up and develop. I, I was just wondering if you could <clears throat> or would share a comment around, you know, if somebody says, hey, I want to I skill up, what, what are some things that you might, um, that you might advise or, or recommend someone to, to do as they, again, try to get off to that, you know, build some momentum, get off to a good start in, in, in the new year? Well, my first question is going to be, well, what research have you already done to prepare for what you want to accomplish? Um, because you could go out to Google and type in a couple of keywords and be instantly connected to some interesting articles, uh, videos, um, and, and trends, right? So my first question is, is what have you already done to work towards learning more about that topic or that skill. Um, I believe that motivated individuals, you know, I, personally, 70% of my career is on, is on me, right? I need my leadership and my colleagues to help share that, ex, that other 30% by giving me projects and assignments that expand my experience. But, you know, 70% of my career is on me. And so what am I doing to take on the initiative to go figure out where some of those uh, development opportunities lie. And there's a lot of free ones um, out on Google, right? Um, and so that's always my first question is, well, what have you already researched? It reminds me of a story I was reading in a, in a John Maxwell Daily Reader, and I was talking about this um, uh, question <clears throat> that um, they wanted the uh, readers to send in a response uh, to the, uh, I think it was like the London... Um, it was a, uh, it was a news, newspaper uh, office in London. And basically the question was, what's wrong with the world? And this guy's letter got um, basically uh, shared because it was the shortest letter ever written to the uh, organization. And it said, dear sir, I am sincerely GK Chesterston. And basically saying, hey, it's on me. Like, I, it's up to me. I need, you know, I need to continue to skill up. I need to do all the things. It's, it's on me. I, I got to take ownership of this. And so as you talk about, hey, you know what? 70% of this, like, this is on me. It's up to me to get better, right? Yep. Um, and, and I really do believe that. I mean, there's, um, you know, I think I have seen people who just want, you know, you to hand over all the keys, right? And, and you do, and they still don't pick up the key. So um, to me, it's a resourcefulness. That's probably, you know, one of my pet peeves as a leader is somebody that has a lack of resourcefulness. 
um, you know, that's how, that's always one of my initial questions is, well, what have you already done? I love that. I love how you start off with the, the, the question, what, what have you done? And then I can help lead you. I can help kind of give you some direction, but at the end of the day, you need to do just like I did. And that is click the link to invest the time and, and skill up and, 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 and work hard. Right. Yeah, that's fantastic. Oh, man. Oh, man, that's fantastic. My, the very top of our conversation, right? It's all about working hard and delivering. It always goes back to that. For me, that's, for me, that is, um, you know, that has always been the anchor. I was watching the, um, I've watched this so many times, but over the years, I've watched Jim Valvano uh, give his speech back in 1993 um, in the, uh, on the ESPN Awards. And he, he basically said, uh, there's three things. And that is number one, you have to have an enthusiasm for life. Number two, you have to have a dream or a goal. And number three, you have to be willing to work for it. I love that. And so I, I always just, I mean, it's a constant reminder. The last part, you have to be willing to work for it. And so I love how you, how you shared all that. I want to, I want to shift just real quick to, you know, you talk about leading your team. Um, but I want to talk about leading yourself just for a few minutes. And I love to like pull out just uh, something, maybe a daily practice or something you do every day that helps you stay on track as a leader. Do you have like a daily, a daily practice or discipline? So interesting question. And it feels a little, I mean, it, I'm going to laugh at saying at sharing this because, you know, I um, have recently, you know, begun working a lot more closely with our CFO. And as I mentioned, several of our leaders have taken this Harvard online financial course and I am not a finance person. Right. So um, I bought this, you know, book about understanding finance and um, you know, uh, one of the things that I do daily is I now read the Wall Street Journal because if I'm in a conversation with our senior leaders, I don't want to be behind on things that they are reading in the Wall Street Journal because they all read it every single day. So one of my new habits um, since the COVID pandemic has been to read the headlines of the Wall Street Journal and hone in on articles that I think um, are connected to our space. So early on in COVID, Wall Street Journal would have a lot of very, you know, up-to-date COVID information. And so that would lead our weekly leadership calls in the beginning of COVID. And so um, that is what I have done this year that is kind of new is I drink my first cup of coffee reading the Wall Street Journal. That is absolutely fantastic. I love that. I remember doing that in college. Uh, for a semester, and that was about it for me. Uh, but just think about like the engagement from that discipline that you have now, and being in the know. I man, I love that. Um, so, do you feel like it? It is. It has helped. Yeah, I mean, because what will happen is little nuggets of um, insight or dialogue will come up in in other meetings, and they'll talk about you know that this investor is doing this or that investor is you know, said, said this. And so I now don't feel so lost in those conversations where in the very beginning, I really, I was not really sure what they were talking about because finance is just not, you know, an area that I've spent a lot of time personally. 
So um, understanding all of these metrics that feed um, incentive plans now are, mean a whole new different thing to me now that I've spent almost a year focused on just slowly evolving in my knowledge. That's fantastic. You know, once again, you had to take the initiative. You had to, to do that. Um, and, and number two, I appreciate you sharing that and just having the vulnerability to say, you know what? I may not be strong in this area, so I'm going to try to skill up and stay on track there. I love how you shared that. Uh, I would love for you, um, before we get to uh, the part where we accelerate, I would love to know, has there been some advice that you were given just sometime in your career that you find yourself giving to others? Um, yes, yeah, there's been a couple. Um, so, I remember very clearly there was a leader um, who, when we would have an issue that would pop up, right? Something happened, you know, um, in this particular case, it was something happened with one of the clients and it was an issue that we had to resolve, right? Um, it was a business and something happened in the business. And, and so we had to figure out how we were going to solve it. It didn't necessarily impact my HR role, but, um, but in the meeting, right, I'm hearing all of this transpire. And um, this particular leader was, and I'll never forget it, she maintained the focus on what needed to be done to correct and resolve the issue, not on who did it or who didn't do something to cause it. And she would say, I don't care about those things right now. What I care about is resolving this issue or this challenge. And then we're going to study and figure out how in the heck did it happen and we'll go figure out how we can make it not happen again. So I'll never forget that. And still to this day, I now follow that same, you know, kind of approach, right? It's let's fix the issue. Let's figure out, you know, how to move forward, but then we're going to go back and dissect. How did it happen? And so I'll never, I've always remembered that. And so um, I try to emulate that sentiment now. Um, there was another leader who once told me, and again, I will never forget this, is that no matter how high you get in the corporate ladder, your job never gets easier. Mm. And that's always stuck with me too, because it's very true. I remember being early, earlier in career, not really understanding the senior leadership and why some decisions got made or why they didn't get made. And it can be frustrating. I remember being frustrated about, from my vantage point, that I felt like something wasn't happening. And, and so that has always resonated with me because as I've advanced in my career, there are always reasons. And um, those reasons or decisions maybe aren't easy, right? And maybe you can't always cascade down why a decision is made. But, but that whole mantra of your job never gets easier, no matter how high you get, has, has always stuck with me. And it's been true. It has been very true for me. So those are two specific ones that um, I just will, I don't think I'll ever forget them. That is absolutely fantastic. Listen, if you are listening to this show right now, you need to like rewind that, listen to it again and, and write this down in your journal because you're right. It's all about, first of all, when you have, we're going to have challenges, right? Let's fix them and then we'll figure out what happened. I love that. And then uh, no matter how high or how much you elevate the organization, you're going to have, it's just going to be challenging, right? It's, it's, it's going to be uh, tough. And so I think it was John Maxwell once said that, you know, 90, I think it was something around 95% of the uh, average 
sophomore in high school can um, basically do uh, make a lot of these uh, do a lot of your job or, or something around that. But he said you get paid for the other five percent, right? And so um, that no, that's that's fantastic. I love that. I love that. Okay, so oh man, I think I mentioned to you the time goes really really fast. Uh, so this is kind of the last part of the show. I call it it's time to accelerate. And so I just want to ask you a few uh, fun questions um, as, as we conclude here. First question. Um, would you rather read a book or listen to a podcast? Um, gosh, I would say it depends. Okay. Um, if I, I go back and forth cause I think I get burnt out. Um, one of my favorite podcasts that I love listening to is called the life coach school by Brooke Castillo. Hmm. Um, I really enjoy those podcasts. They're really more, I think about self-awareness and just, you know, self-motivation and again, more of that you know, taking ownership of your journey. Um, Brooke Castillo is actually, she lives here in Dallas, actually, but she's mm. a life coach. Oh, um, fantastic. I'll have to put that in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm a good, good sucker for, you know, some good fiction. I love, um, I love history pieces. I love World War II, you know, era books. Mm. So um, it just depends on what I'm in the mood for and how much time I have. <laughs> time time i'm the same way i'm like i have a whole shelf over here that, of books that i've ordered that i have not got to yet that i want to get to um i think actually i saw one time you had posted a, a comment or a question on social media about hey anybody have any good book recommendations and so anytime someone does that i'm always like following the thread going okay if I read that book, right? Oh, that's fantastic. I love that. Um, you know, uh, 2020, man, that was a tough, tough, tough year. Um, and I, I want to ask you this. What, what, are you, what are you most grateful for? Yeah, I think this year it's been uber clear for me um, that I'm very grateful that my husband and I were both able to transition and work remotely and have maintained our jobs. Um, so for me, that, that to me is what I'm the most grateful for. Um, cause there's just been so many people that have negatively been impacted and, um, and we have been fortunate to keep our jobs and we've stayed healthy. So that's what I'm the most grateful for in 2020. Yeah, that's fantastic. I love that. How about, um, what energizes you? Um, what energizes me? I, um, I am energized, I would say, by forward movement. I'm energized by um, feeling appreciated. Um, and I'm, I'm energized, I would say, by, um, you know, just always being focused on what I can do. Um, so I'm a, I, one of my top, actually several of my top five Clifton Spring Finders are like in the executor space. So for me, I find a lot of joy in, you know, being an action-oriented person. So um, for me, that's what gets me excited is, um, you know, moving forward and getting things done. And then, of course, you know, you know being recognized for that. That, that energizes me. I, uh, I love how you use the word joy and also moving forward. When, I, when you said forward, I was thinking, yeah, and I think she's a runner too. So... <laughs> That would be part of that, right? Yeah. Um, 2021. Listen, I got two questions left. The first one is um, 2021's here. What uh -huh. are you? What are you most like? What are you most excited about? I'm most excited excited about uh, stopping talking about COVID. 
I think for me, I'm tired of talking about it and I'm ready to talk about something else. Um, even though I think we'll still have to live with and manage COVID in the workplace, I'm excited to tackle new projects and, um, and watch my son graduate from high school and move on to his next adventure. So I have a senior this year. So it's also going to be filled with all the feels. Oh, man, I remember going through that. So um, what a special year this is going to be. Okay, this is my final question. My favorite question that I like to ask, and that is, um, Suzanne, 10 years older, is knocking at your door today, and you answer that door, what is she going to tell you? Um, well, I actually remind myself of this often, and I share this with other people too, that I don't get frustrated by the things that you won't care about when you're 70. I'm pretty sure when I'm 70, I'm not going to be talking about that colleague that was out of line in that operations meeting, right? I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be talking about some of these things that, you know, we allow to consume our, it can be negative in our head. Um, and so I would just, rem that's probably what I would say to myself is don't allow those things to take over your mind because when you're 70, it's not going to matter one bit. I love it. Oh my gosh. I love it. Listen, you are definitely driving in the leadership lane. Like I said before, I've always admired your leadership. I appreciate you coming on and just sharing uh, perspective and your wisdom with everyone. If someone wanted to like learn a little bit more about you or, or follow you, how would be the best way that they could connect? Yeah, well, I'm of course on LinkedIn being a strong TA background. I have a t uh, LinkedIn uh, profile, so they should be able to find me under Suzanne Myers. And then, or they could email me directly at Suzanne.Myers at Arcosa.com. Fantastic. I will make sure to put that in the show notes. And again, I appreciate you coming on today and just sharing. I really think some of the uh, things you share today are going to help our listeners really like build some momentum uh, when it comes to setting goals, when it comes to developing uh, in their, in their careers. And so for that, I'd say, thank you, my friend. Thank you so much, Bruce. This was a lot of fun. Um, it was a great conversation and it was fun to talk about something other than COVID. And it was just such a great dialogue. I really appreciate, um, you know, that you reached out to me to do this. Absolutely. And I cannot wait to share it. So listen, have a great year. Look forward to seeing you soon. Bye.